So good to be home, Oceanside. We missed you so much, and um, we got back Thursday. Hello. We definitely need a new sound guy. Hey, Andy. <laughs> so good to be here. I can't tell you how much we missed you. Is that okay? Good. And um, yeah, five, six weeks, Deb's mom uh, had a stroke and we went over to be with her and I thank you for the prayers. She's still in, in, um, in recovery and I'm going to just ask Deborah to come and share a few things and then I'll chat after her. Good morning, family. It is wonderful to be back here. Honestly, um, it's almost, it's pretty surreal to think that last week, last Sunday, we were in a church in Pinetown, and the the week before that, we were in a church called Glenridge in Durban. And you know, the beautiful thing is, no matter where you are in the world, when you gather together with, with believers that love Jesus, and Jesus is the Lord of their life, it feels as if you are just one big family. And especially when you can go into a foreign country and sing the same songs, you feel an even closer knitting of the heart. Thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts for your prayers. Thank you just for affording us such a lengthy period of time to be away. I feel as if we missed on so many epic moments in the life of Oceanside. We did try to um, follow as much as possible via um, Facebook and Instagram. Guys, you guys did an amazing job. And to everybody that helped with the equip time, thank you. We got so many messages from people that had been here and just thanked us for hosting such a phenomenal equip. And we go, yes, God has raised up amazing people. And I honestly thank you from the bottom of our hearts, you know. And all that time that we were away, there wasn't a flicker of doubt. There wasn't a flicker of concern as to how things were going to be. So thank you. That is, a, that is huge. When we tell people that we were away for such a long time, they are amazed. So I think you guys can give yourselves a big hand of applause. Really, thank you. Thank you to the leadership team here of Oceanside. And it's just steered this amazing ship. Even when the waters, or our personal waters were turbulent, this was a safe place for us. So we, are, we really, really, really thank you. The past six weeks have been tumultuous. My emotions have been there. My emotions have been there. They've been there. Very seldom did they actually plateau. There was every single day there was something, something that would just bombard our minds and our hearts. You know, Paul says in Second Corinthians that we are, are constantly we are hard pressed on every side. And that is exactly how it felt. There were times I felt like, oh God, can I be squeezed out anymore? But God is faithful. So when we're saying that today, God is good. You are good. You are faithful. I, I, I just didn't want it to end because that should, is almost like our mantra. That is basically what kept us going or kept me going for those weeks, that God is good, that God is gracious, and that God is faithful. 
Say that with me. God is good, God is gracious, and God is faithful. And you know, that doesn't matter whatever circumstance you face, whether you are having the time of your life, God is good, God is gracious, and God is faithful. Whether you are facing every obstacle and are hard-pressed on every side, He is the same God who is good, He is gracious, and He is faithful. And I just had, that was almost indelibly scribed in my heart and in my mind. Every time my mind would waver, I would go back to that. And in Isaiah, it says, those whose minds are steadfast on the Lord, he gives you perfect peace. Imagine what perfect peace feels like. I dare you. When we are still before the Lord and we try and keep our minds steadfast, steadfast on him, so it's a good little exercise just to see how long you can last. Give yourself a minute and your mind starts whoop. And then you start to worry or you start to become anxious. And so to me, it was an absolute discipline to bring back those wild horses, those stallion thoughts that would go off in every direction and to keep steadfast on my God, who is God eternal. He is the rock. He is the one that gives us the strength and the capacity to endure no matter what it is that we're going through, whether it's good, whether it's mediocre, or whether it's bad. Amen? He is the same God. And then the, the one morning I was like just really worshiping and praying, and I just felt the Lord lead me into Exodus where Moses was faced in a pretty difficult and challenging situation. He had angry Egyptians on his back, and he had a raging Red Sea in front of him. And a whole bunch of very angry people who said, did you have to bring us out of Egypt? Were there no graves in Egypt? Did you have to bring us to the desert to die? Hmm? And, what did the, and Moses says, do not worry because the Lord will fight on our behalf. If you're between a rock and a hard place today, I encourage you to look to the author and the perfecter of our father of our God, who is the great I am. He, when we sang that song, that you are the king of my heart. You know, we can be very flippant and it's very easy. It's a beautiful melody. And we go, yes, you're the king of my heart. And I can just sing that. And but my mind is already being attacked by little mice that are eroding my faith. Let us stay steadfast, steadfast. And Paul says to pray in the spirit to pray in the Holy Spirit. Those of us that do not speak with the evidence of speaking in tongues, I pray that by the time you leave here today, Holy Spirit would have anointed, saturated you, and loosened your tongue. Because, you know, there were times where I did not know what to pray. Like David says, my t I always find David so dramatic. My tears were wet. with My pillow was wet with tears. My pillow was constantly wet with tears. But yet when we pray in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit prays through us and gives us the wisdom. He even gives us the right words to speak, words that I knew that I in my own self did not have and could speak into situations. It has been a most remarkable time. Um, it was quite funny because when I, they had very strict visiting hours for my mum. 
And I thought, I'm here on a mission. I have not come here to have a holiday. So I would go to the desk and I would say, hi, can I go and see my mum? And they go, no, sorry, the visiting hours. And I'd say were from, say, 12 till 2. I would be there at 10. And I said, okay, I'm just letting you know I'm sitting right outside this door and I'm not moving. And I would go and sit outside the door and I would pray, Lord, open the swing wide these gates, open these doors. They would be walking out and I'm, I'm praying up a storm. I get the call, please come inside and be with your mom now. And so <laughs> initially, like, you know, what, what man would shut, God will open. You know, we are just never, ever, can I carry on? We are, we are never, ever, <laughs> we are never, ever to give up, you know. And yes, I understand the logistics. I fully get that. Yes, and there are rules, but sometimes rules get in the way. <laughs> and when God's work will be done. And um, one of the nurses asked me if I was a, a physiotherapist. Another one asked me if I was an occupational therapist. And another one asked me if I was a speech therapist because they had been watching me working with my mom. And they say, you do things that we've never seen before. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> So we had the most amazing time, and because of that, because right from the first day of my mom's stroke, I was able, the third day, I was able to be with her and just work with her and speak with her and move her limbs, that by the time we've left, she's still immobilized on her right-hand side, but um, they tell me that she has a flicker of a movement, and I like flickers, flicker of a movement in her right hip, and um, she is crying so hard to speak. Like the one night she said, he said, good night, sweetheart. Where did that come from? Out of the blue, good night, sweetheart. So I truly do believe that my mom is going to be restored because I prayed a very, very, very difficult prayer because the neurologist said to me, Deborah, you've just got to gear your mind and your heart that your mom is not going to come through this. They thought that she would have passed away by the... Um, first week. And so that was a very difficult pill to swallow, but I'm also very realistic. And so I started, I've never written a eulogy. I started writing a eulogy. <laughs> and I just thought, and my prayer was, Father, you created my mum. You are her very breath. I do not want to see her in this state. And I know that she's a very active woman. She's lived a very full and vital life. And to be so incapacitated and not be able to move, would you rather take her, let her be with you and dance on the streets of gold? If not, please restore her, that at least she can speak, that at least she will be mobile. And so that was my prayer. And I let it go. And then every time I saw my mum, they'd go, wow, your mother's improving. She's getting so strong. Another one would say, oh, my goodness, this woman, she is stubborn. <laughs> because, like, she would try and pull herself up with her left hand. And so in my heart is like, okay, Father, you've kept her. She is not on any life support. She's feeding herself because they said to me that she couldn't swallow. And I went up to her. I said, Mom, are you hungry? Because they removed the tube. I said, are you hungry? She goes, mm. I said, if I give you something, you promise me you won't choke and die. <laughs> 
And, and so I did something that I, I don't advise other people to do. But you know, the thing is, you have got to follow your heart sometimes, you know, like heart over science sometimes. Can I get an amen? Okay, and so the, they, I said to her, I, I had some starbursts. I love starbursts. So I took a tiny piece of starburst, and I said, here, mum, do you want some? She goes, mm-hmm. She opens her mouth, and as she puts it in her mouth, she goes, mm, mm. And next minute, I said, is it gone? Huh? It's gone? Oh, my God, you're alive. Oh, mom. Okay. So then I went, and she never choked or anything like that. So then I ran downstairs. I went and bought a yogurt because the speech therapist said to me that she was going to try yogurt on my mom. So I wasn't totally out of bounds. She was just going to do it on the Monday. And so this was the Saturday. And so I got the yogurt and I said, mom, I'm going to put some on your lips. You just lick your lips. I'm not feeding you. I'm just licking. You just lick your lips and tell me how it feels. And so we ate a whole thing of yogurt by my mum licking her lips. That night she fed herself. So when I told the neurologist the next day, I thought they were going to ban me from going to the hospital. And I just prayed, grace and favor, grace and favor, thank you, Lord. Next minute, the feeding tube comes out, and my mum is eating 100% right there. She had no problem swallowing because I used to watch her. I was with her for six to eight hours every single day. This is something about relationship. This is something that relationship teaches us that school books can't. And if I can even just run a parallel with Jesus, you know what? You can hear stories about Jesus. You could possibly even read the Bible without Holy Spirit leading you. But when you ask him to help you understand, he opens our minds. He opens our thinking into a whole new different dimension, hence praying in tongues. God speaks to us, he leads us, and he guides us. Amen. So it's been a very, very exciting time. Leaving was horrendous, absolutely horrendous. But I stand here knowing that because my mind is fixed and is steadfast on God, that he gives me perfect peace. And not only that, he cares just as much for my mum, even more so than what I could ever possibly do. And in the time in the wards, in in the first hospital that we were at, seriously, brothers and sisters, it felt like a hallelujah revival. All the nurses that were looking after my mum were Christian, first of all. Okay, how does that happen? But they were all full-on Bible-believing Praise you, Jesus. <laughs> and there were a couple of the um, people in the ward whose husbands were pastors. And at the end of visiting hours, the guy would, uh, boldness, just stand up. Everybody here, I just want you to know that I love Jesus and I'm going to pray. I'm going to say a prayer in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I plead the blood of Jesus over every bed, over every person. Honestly, people were out of that hospital ward like so fast, but nobody minded. Michael, like he would wait for me and sit down a passage, and people would come. Hey, then this one little man walked past Michael, came back, and then he said to him, "What do you do?" And Michael said that he was a pastor. He grabbed him by the hand and he says, "You've got to come. You've got to come with me." And he took him 
into a ward where his wife was. Now, in this ward, we had Muslims and we had Hindus. We had whatever you want to believe and Christians. Do you know what? They all wanted prayer. Everybody wanted prayer in the name of Jesus. It didn't matter because when you are in that place of body aching, not much hope, our hearts will always lead us to the cross. Our hearts will always cry out to the living God. And so that made me realize, you know what? We don't have to say what we are. We shine so brightly in this dark world. And if I may encourage you, it doesn't matter where you are. Just illuminate. Just radiate the love of Jesus. You know, you actually don't have to go um, quoting scriptures at everybody. You don't have to be bashing somebody over the head with a Bible or tell them that they're sinners. That's You don't need to do that, but just to love, love his creation, love his people, and hearts just open up. So we had beautiful experiences. We had, praise you, Jesus, um, (laughs) full-on revival meeting in the evening some of the times, and then they all got better, and then we didn't see them again. So we had to have our own. But honestly, all in all, thank you. We serve an amazing God who is faithful, he is good, and he is kind, and he has your very, very, very best interests. Amen? Thank you so much. Wonderful. My wife said she just wanted to say a few words. (laughs) I should have um, known that that wasn't going to happen, but what a good thing it was. And... um, no, it's great. It's absolutely good. It was an amazing time um, in the hospital. Prayed for so many, so many people. Um, just went up to the beds and, and so on. And um, when Deborah, my wife, has actually had two transplants, uh, liver transplants. We were doing mission work in, in uh, Malaysia in the, in the early 90s, and she got a parasite, and, uh, which destroyed her liver. And once again, it reminded me of those times of just being able to be around desperate people where, uh, like you said, it doesn't matter what religion they are, they all wanted prayer. And uh, what an incredible privilege, divine appointments for sure. Um, I was able to reconnect. We left um, our home church in 97 to plant this church and um, in Canada, and I was able to reconnect with so many friends and, and so on, pastors and leaders, that I've actually hung around with some of them since the 80s. Uh, I know I don't look that old, but, uh, and um, it was amazing. Uh, divine appointments, for sure, were able to minister in some of the churches uh, while I was there and just reconnect. So it was a really good time, and God does turn things around, for sure. And uh, I want to thank uh, the eldership team, um, the ones, some of them on holiday, the ones that are here, if they could please stand. Um, I think it looks like it's uh, Wes and Paul. They were the rest on holiday, or 180 Andy. And um, the reports we got back, 
from the team guys. Uh, we arranged to have uh, the, the, the apostolic team guys come, and we were supposed to be here, but from all of them, we're absolutely outstanding. And for all of you that volunteer and everything you do, as Deborah said, is overwhelmed. And we're just so proud of you. And I came here very early uh, this morning. Um, I'm still trying to work out what day it is and time is. So I got up early, and this place was completely empty, just a gymnasium with the worship team starting to start their thing. And um, just to watch so many people arrive and put out chairs and tables and, and set up and all of this kind of stuff uh, is quite overwhelming. So I just want to thank you all. Uh, from the bottom of my heart, we're very proud of you, and um, it's good to be home. Um, I spent some time, I must say, Deborah, I was in the hospital all the time, a few, one or two hours a day, uh, and uh, Durban's on the Indian Ocean, and I used to grow up surfing there and being on the beach, so I spent a lot of time on the beach, and, um, and just contemplating, and gave me some time to to put some stuff together, but you know what I realized, as beautiful as it was, and much, it wasn't home anymore. It was just an incredible thing, you know, and um, it was such a good feeling. Um, and I've known that, but it just was, it's idyllic there, and it was beautiful weather, and I just thought, no, I want to go, I want to come home. And so, this is my home, and this is, you're my family, and it's so good to be here. So thank you so much. I was going to speak on um, uh, the reason why we go through trials, and I want to do it briefly, because we faced a few, and, um, and so I just want to um, go, and I'm just going to share one scripture, because uh, Debs, that was amazing, I think two, maybe two scriptures, and let the uh, scripture uh, um, talk for itself, I mean, God can do things way better than we can, because I know, uh, and I want to say this, that many of you are going through trials and, and so on, and um, I've been praying for you and, and just generally praying for the church, um, for people I know, life, that's life, and um, I know God hears your prayers and hears your cries, uh, and um, so I just wanted to encourage you with one or two um, um, scriptures here. And um, Jesus, um, on his last evening on earth, he was having an amazing meal with his disciples and hanging with them, and they had no idea what was going to come within a few hours. But he had been preparing them, and you can read that in John, from John 13 on, really starting to chat to them in the upper room of what was going to happen. They had no idea at that stage. But in John 16, he says this, 16.33, I've told you these things that in me you may have peace. And he goes and says this, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart because I have overcome the world. And that's where our hope is. And to be in a, in a hospital is wonderful. I, I realized how much I loved it because for four or five years when Deborah was ill, we, were, we almost felt like we were camping there, speaking to people who are really afraid but don't know Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage us as a people, encourage myself that this is the huddle. This is not the churches. This is where we come to be 
be inspired and encouraged uh, and worship God together so that we can go and be the salt and light. And I tell you, in that hospital, divine appointments, honestly, this guy was walking right past me. I was just sitting there at a place um, and just people walking past. And as Deborah said, he got about 10 steps after he turned to me, looked at me, and I'm looking at him saying, well, what the heck? And he says, um, are you a pastor? And uh, I didn't have my dog collar on, so I didn't know how I knew. But, um, uh, and like you say, he took me by the hand, an old guy, old guy like this, and he's got to this, and it was one of those really desperate wards. And um, there were even people in there with hijabs on, crying over there, their loved ones too, and others in there. And he took me to his wife, and, and I prayed with her, and then I thought that's what it was. And he took me by hand to the next bed. And there's all these Muslims are there and all around the thing. And he says, will you pray for her? And it was amazing. Nobody, absolutely nobody complained about it. And uh, realized that God loves everybody. And sometimes it does take a trial to get our attention, unfortunately. Um, but I just want to encourage this. Just be aware that we are the salt and light, that, that in, in, no matter what we went through, we had God's presence with us, the transcendent peace of God, and still it was difficult. But Paul writes something in 2 Corinthians. Paul, had a, Paul went through trials, man. You should go and do a study of that, man, and, um, and uh, was able to transcend them because he didn't look at the circumstances, he always gave his, um, put his um, sight on Christ. Sorry, my mouth a bit dry, and I'm still trying to get over jet lag, so I hope this is making sense. But in 2 Corinthians, he's speaking to this amazing church that also had some trials and tribulations themselves, and he's talking, uh, writing to them, and he, he writes this, and I'm just going to um, take little scriptures, bite scriptures. Uh, I ask you to please, um, if, if this speaks to you, to go and read the context of these scriptures, uh, because for time we, we won't be able to do that. But in 2 Corinthians um, 1, uh, from verse 8, speaking of his trials, he says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life itself. This was a serious situation, and, and I'm sure many, and some of you, or you know people that have been in these situations. And I can imagine Paul asking God the same questions. Why, why, why? God, I'm, we're on a mission for you. We, we're serving you. We're doing everything. And then this thought, inspired by the Holy Spirit, drops in his heart. And he writes this. But this happened so that we might not rely on ourselves but on God who raises the dead. The journey we are on is a journey from self-reliance to total reliance on God. It's a journey from the head to the heart, the longest and the hardest journey of all. 
where God wants us to bring to a place where we are totally reliant on Him, whether things are going well or whether things are going badly. God is there, God is sovereign, and God is more than able to do more than exceedingly more than we can ask or imagine. And that's where God wants to take us. And, and as I see where the world is going and um, being in South Africa, lots of issues, um, around the world, lots of issues, God is going to raise a people that they are not going to rely on themselves and their own ability, own gifting, but totally on God, and God's got to come through. You see, Jesus Christ is seated on the throne, high and exalted. He's not on the throne biting his nails, wondering what's going to happen next. He's not sitting and biting, oh, jeez, I wonder how we're going to do this. He is totally in control, and we are his body. And we have empowered with incomparably great power for us who believe that is in us. And I believe it's time for us to activate that faith. I saw it again in little ways in this hospital for sure. Absolutely amazing. There's this Zulu woman. I actually, she was um, Deb's mom's age and, and her, her, her um, son was a pastor in a village way away and he couldn't come there uh, to see her. Poor poor African people, and I sort of adopted her in a way, and I became, I prayed for her every day, sat with her every day, obviously with Deb's mom too, and I just realized how much power there is in just an encouragement in a word and in a prayer again. You know, we all have that in us. And God wants to take us to a place where we rely totally on him for everything else. And then he says this in verse 10, that he has delivered us from such a deadly peril and will deliver us again. On in him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. And this is the key. As you help us by your prayers. Then he says that many will give thanks on behalf of the gracious favor granted to us in answer to the prayers of many. God does nothing without prayer, church. And I believe that if we want to see God move in power and authority like this, it's going to be through people on their knees. We do have a prayer meeting, um, and um, and. I want to encourage you. I think for the summer, uh, is that right? Yeah, we're taking a break with so many people are away and all of that. But that doesn't mean we can't pray on our own. But if we want to see the power of God released, it's going to be through prayers. And I love this, that many will give thanks on behalf of the prayer, prayers of many. I just love that because what it speaks to me of the body of Christ giving glory to the head of Christ because it's not one person's prayer. Nobody's going to be able to say, well, I did this and I did that, and yes, God will use us like that, but it will be the body of Christ, the priesthood of all believers, praying together, and who will get, well, whose prayer was it? Doesn't matter. Jesus will get the glory. And if we want to see change in our city and in our nations and for our government, before I left, we started speaking on 2 Chronicles 7, um, 14. 
If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, number one, pray, number two, seek my face, number three, turn from their wicked ways, and the, the fourth one I forget was my jet lag. <laughs> we hold the keys through prayer for the nation. When I shut out the heavens and there is no rain, and command locusts to devour the, 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 the fields. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves, will pray, oh yes, seek my face and repent, I will heal the land, I will heal the nation. We have elections coming and all of that, and... Um, and we, what some will say, well, I hope if this party gets in, it will be better, or if that party gets in, it will be better. And it may be in some ways. But if the church, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who's in power. If the church will humble themselves, pray, seek him faith, and repent, he will bring healing to the nation. And how many of us want to see this nation healed? We all do. We all should be praying for our leaders. Paul, um, writing uh, to the church, said this, pray for those who are in authority because if they prosper, it will go well for us too. Do you know who Paul was praying for at that stage? Nero. No, quite a bad dude. <laughs> but he knew that it was God that determines the future of a nation, and that God is moved by his people. So I just want to encourage us in that again. And I'm going to read this, and then I would like us to break bread. An amazing psalm. And I just want you to hear this and maybe meditate on, on it if you're going through things. We're going to break bread. And if you need prayer, I'd encourage you just to Come forward, we'll have, I'll have, I would like some of the elders and some of the, the leaders uh, in the church just to be available on the sides there to come and pray for you. Because I'm trusting God and believing for breakthrough in this place, even today. It doesn't matter what your situation is. God is more than able. It could be a little thing. It could be a big thing. And what I've realized is when you have an issue, Often people say, I need prayer, but it's such a little thing. Well, it's not a little thing to you. And God is more than able. And God doesn't say that's a big thing or a little thing, so, I, so we can't have prayer. He says, I will answer you. If you call on me, I will answer you. And I will heal you. But this psalm here, an amazing psalm, 46, and I'll pray it and, and speak it over this church. And it says, God is our refuge, our strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. And therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give away and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, those waters roar and foam, and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river. Amazing flowing from the throne room, whose streams make glad the city of our God, 
the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her, and she will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. Nations are in an uproar, and kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, and the earth melts. But in the midst of this chaos, verse 7 tells us that the Lord Almighty is with us, and the God of Jacob is our fortress. If you're in a place now, meditating, God is with you. God walks you through the fires. Isaiah 43 says, when you walk through the fires, you will not get burned. The floods will not overwhelm you, for I am with you. I've summoned you by name. It's an amazing thing. He doesn't promise to put the fires out, but he says we will not get burned by them. Because sometimes these, these trial situations are the trials of the times when we, our ears are more acute to the voice of God. He has our attention. And he says, I will walk you through, through this. We know that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. And that's what he wants to be for us. He's our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks a bow and shatters a spear. He burns a shield with fire. And in the midst of that, he says to his people, be still. Chill. Relax. Come into my presence. Come into my presence. And know that I am God. And I feel some of us need to find that place. You know, often when, um, for me, I don't, I've, I battle to really connect with God in prayer in a building. I, I don't, it's not that I don't. But when I really want to sense God's presence, when I really want to be in his presence, I, I take my little Jack Russell for a walk and in the beauty of nature and looking at lakes and all of this, God speaks to us, creation speaks, and I can see the bigness of God. And some of us just need to get out of our box, get out of where we are, in our, in our room, in our home, wherever we are, boxed in by this stuff, and just go for a long walk and just sit. I mean, for, uh, coming back to British Columbia, are you kidding me after six weeks? I told people in Africa, there's no place more beautiful in the world. And Deborah and I have traveled a lot. There's no place. I am not more impressed with anywhere else than British Columbia. When you fly in and you're on the ferry, we brought the ferry and all of that. I mean, I hate ferries, but after six weeks, it was so beautiful. Just what a beautiful place. Instead of going, this ferry, you know, get on the top of the ferry and just look around and start worshiping God. Nobody will care up there. They won't even hear you, even if you're shouting praises to God. You might have somebody with a straight jacket waiting for you this side, but <laughs> apart from that, in the midst of all of your stuff, he says, be still. Be still. And I'm saying some of us need to get to that place even today and know that I am God. Know that I'm in control. Know that I hold the nations in my hand. Know that I hold you in my hand and I'm with you. 
For I will be exalted amongst the nations, and I'll be exalted in the Lord. Because no matter what we face, verse 11, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Amazing. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Amazing, amazing promises. You see, God is no respecter of persons. God doesn't treat any of his children differently. But he says, if you draw unto me, I will draw unto you. He also doesn't force himself on us. Draw unto me and I will draw unto you. Come into my presence. And I want us to... Sorry. I want us to break bread this morning in remembrance what Jesus did. And while I was thinking about this this morning, um, this morning and this weekend about what I felt God, this is totally different to what I thought I'd um, preach this week. I was uh, in South Africa, a lot of time to prepare. So I said, oh, this is it. And then yesterday, it wasn't it anymore. So here we go. But you see in Isaiah 43, speaking of Jesus Christ, 700 years before Jesus was born. You see, God wasn't called of God, of G-U-A-R-D, by the fact that Jesus was going to be crucified, by the fact that um, the church would be persecuted. He's not called of these things. He knows them, but he's with us. And this is what it says about Jesus. Verse 46. That he took up our pain on the cross. This is 700 years before. Isaiah has this prophetic revelation of the Messiah. And he bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God and stricken by him and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to our own ways. And the Lord has laid upon him all the iniquity of us all. On that cross, Jesus paid the ultimate price for our iniquity, our sin. He paid the price for our peace and our healing. And Philippians 4 speaks about the transcendent peace of God. It says, Philippians 4 says, do not be anxious about anything. Now, anything's a big word. I'm not anxious about whether I'm going to get a coffee after this. I'm not anxious about those things. And they don't bug me. But there's some things that are way bigger than me and that creates anxiety in our lives in these circumstances. But God says, do not be anxious about anything. Nothing is too big for God. And no matter what happens, we win 
because this is not our home. Our, our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And we have an eternal destiny that we await for. And it says this, but in everything, with prayer, petition, and thanksgiving, present your request to God and allow the peace of God to guard your hearts and guard your minds in Christ Jesus. Aren't these the two things that go crazy? It's the transcendent peace of God. It's like being in a bubble in the midst of a storm. It's like being in, in this glass bubble and you're standing in the wall and you've just got the presence and the anointing of God around you and you sense his presence. And I promise you, because we've been there a few times with Deborah, that there is nothing more sweeter when you really connect with that transcendent peace. Chaos around you, but peace in the heart. And that's what God wants to bring to us. And I want to leave with that because I'd like us to break bread. And Jesus says that we're to do this in remembrance of him. That on that cross, he paid the price for our sin, past, present, and future. He forgave our sins and he promised us healing. And if he hadn't done that, we would be without hope. And so I just want to, in those few words, I was going to read uh, the passage, but we know it well. Just want to say thank you to Jesus for saving me, for saving you. Thank you, Jesus, for putting us together as a family. Thank you, Jesus. And you know why I'm so aware of that is because I met so many people without hope going through the same stuff. Imagine going through what you're doing without Jesus. Can you imagine? And able to witness to them, yes, I'm sowing seed and I don't know whether they will respond, but there's a difference. There's a huge difference. And I want to thank him for saving me and for saving you and bringing us together. And as a body, I, I want us to break bread together, if that's okay, if we could have and Come forward, we made some space here. And maybe what we'll do, uh, not only for time's sake, but because it seems a good thing to do, why don't we get together in groups? You might not even know each other. You, you better get to know each other because you might be sit, uh, in next door neighbors for all eternity. Oh, I know you. Where I know you from? What church are you? Oceanside. I was there 10 years. I didn't even know you. You know what I mean? So let's do that with your family, with friends. Let's just do this in remembrance with what Jesus has done for us. No matter what we go through, we win. We win, church. This is a light and temporary momentary afflictions are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, church. If I could have, um, yeah, maybe just Dean. We won't have the worship team up here because then we can't hear each other. I wanted to do some more worship too, but I want to do everything. If I had my way, we would be here till dinner time. I'm so, I've missed you guys so much. So if we could please stand, I want to pray for you. And if, um, 
I don't know if we need help up here or not. And, and I'm going to ask some of the leaders and elders just to stand by the sides too. And if you want prayer, or just ask people around you, pray for each other. We're all kings and priests. And let's share these burdens together. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Father God, I just thank you for, for saving us, Lord. It says, I didn't choose you, you chose me. You chose us, Lord, for such a time as this. Where there seems chaos all over the world, Lord God, you are so in control. And you brought us to this time and place for such a time as this, Lord. To be salt and light, Lord. To reflect your glory, Lord. And Lord, I know where there's unity, you command your blessing. And Lord, I sense that in this building right now, Lord. And Lord, so I just pray that even as we honor you, Lord Jesus, and we remember the sacrifice you paid for us, that a spirit of unity will continue to grow amongst us, Lord. Lord, I pray this week, Lord, that we will represent you well, Lord. Not perfect. We are all sin and fall short of your glory, but you've paid the price for that, Lord Jesus. There's not one hero of our faith that was infallible. They all simply just had a heart for you. And I pray, Lord God, that you rekindle our love for each other, our love for you. Lord, I pray that you'll open our eyes around us to the hurting people. Lord, even if they reject us, Lord God, you were rejected, Lord Jesus. You were rejected, Lord. But often that rejection is because of hurt and pain and sorrow and guilt. And Lord, we are just called to sow seeds. We are seed sowers, seeds of love, mercy, compassion. Lord, I pray that as, even as we come to love your city, what a privilege to serve our city like that. But I pray that Love Your City won't just be an annual event. I pray, Lord God, that the people around us will know that we love them in our workplace, our neighbors, wherever we are, Lord. You said when you were hungry, you fed me. When I were we fed, we fed you. He said, when I'm hungry, was hungry, you fed me. When I was in jail, you visited me. When I was in hospital, you came and visited me. And your people said, Lord, when did we do this? And you said, when you did it for the least of these, Lord. Lord, may we not judge, Lord. We are one decision away from a disaster ourselves. Outside of your love, mercy, and grace, Lord. And may we extend grace to each other, Lord. May we extend grace to the city, Lord. This is our home. We are a city on the hill. And I pray that we'll become a church without walls, Lord. Break down the walls, Lord. We'll see that we will see your kingdom come. And your will be done here. In the precious name of Jesus. If the service could please come forward, other service. If somebody would like to come and serve, that would be great. If you're privileged, just 
That's wonderful. If you'd like to come forward and, and get out of your box and maybe pray for somebody. And if you need prayer, please, even here, I'm willing and able, but the people we're right next to you are too. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Please come forward.